0: From the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union People, Credit Union Ideas. During Todd Clark's roughly two years at the helm of Co op Financial Services, the importance of fraud prevention has grown exponentially. It's his job to ensure Co-op's client credit unions have access to the best technology to combat fraud and protect their members. Increasingly, Fighting Fraud Requires a Use of Machine Learning and Artificial Intelligence. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for Credit Union Magazine and CUNA News. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, Clark shares his biggest concerns about fraud, top risks facing credit unions, and how credit unions should respond. You've been at Co-op Financial Services for a little more than two years now. What have been some of the highlights for you during that time?
1: Uh Bill I, I would say that uh probably the biggest highlight is, is, is frankly just the, the the folks here at uh, at Co-op uh you know I, I love the the credit union industry and uh inheriting the team that I did uh has been has been really amazing and then when we merged with PMG, uh we just picked up a whole new group of uh, of wonderful employees and uh and we really have uh, gotten in my mind very lucky and uh and all of us getting to serve the the credit union industry just the nicest people in the world couldn't ask for a better group of clients and uh and more uh uh more thoughtful and caring about the communities that they work and live in
0: so you were in the the fintech space for a while how is How is that different from what you're doing now?
1: Well I mean I think there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences and uh i you know when i'm when I'm trying to bring somebody on or hire somebody one of the things that I point out to them is is that uh, it's, it's a unique situation when your customers are your owners. And so the way you normally would think about things changes ever so slightly in that you can't just raise prices if you're going to have a shortfall on budget because it's your ownership that you'd be raising prices on. And so uh, it causes us to think about things differently. Uh, what I love about it is, is that we get to think long term, right? There's uh, in the public world, there's a lot of decisions that are probably bad long-term decisions that are made for short-term reasons. And here at co-op, I get to really think about the long game and invest in the future, uh, even if that it may take a year or two for that, for that investment to pay off.
0: So the, the threat of fraud is a big issue for credit unions. What worries you most when it comes to financial institution fraud?
1: Well, I mean, I think that it is the uh, the, the biggest concern that uh, everybody should have is is that the the members uh, and uh, whether it be the members or the customers of of other financial institutions, they look to the credit unions and the banks to protect their uh, their online and their transactional identities with with you know especially with regard to anything that has to do with their money. The expectations there are incredibly high. And the fraudsters are incredibly well funded and uh, continuing to work to penetrate that system in some form or fashion. You know, on top of that, I would say that it's it's hard for you know six thousand credit unions and another six thousand financial institutions, banks, to come together with a uh, a joint effort uh, simply because they compete with each other and the like. So um, those those can be really challenging. What
0: what do you see as some of the biggest fraud related risks for credit unions today?
1: Uh, you know, right now, especially in the space that we play, obviously card fraud still hangs out there and uh, is uh, is very much uh, relevant. And, and some of that, you know, we brought on ourselves, right, by teaching our, our uh, card-carrying uh, members uh, that they have zero liability and a wide variety of things. And so uh, so card fraud is right at the top of the list. I think as EMV continues to roll out and become more prolific across the United States, we'll see a lot of that that card fraud shift to account takeover fraud. You know this notion that synthetic ID is uh, is relatively easy to produce, uh, and as we get uh, larger and larger credit unions, you can't know every member, and uh, and you want to, but you can't, and it becomes more and more difficult. And so, I think uh, the folks who help solve that will uh, will have a big uh, a big opportunity.
0: How do you think credit unions should respond to that shift in fraud?
1: Well, I, I think that they are already responding. You know the the um, uh, if you think about 6,000 credit unions out there, uh, you certainly wouldn't want each of the 6,000 to come up with their own solution to this, right? And so, what you would think is is that they would use a, a facility like co-op uh, to invest in a in a in a group of technologies that's meant to protect the whole. And and I and I view that as as I, I view that as co-op's role in this in this technology space is to consolidate investment and to make sure that uh, we're putting the money uh, toward the right applications to protect uh, the credit unions much like cuna provides that same service uh, on the uh, you know on the hill and and, and across multiple uh, across multiple uh, governmental agencies
0: your company has started using artificial intelligence uh, in in fraud prevention how how does that work how is is AI assisting in fraud prevention and Against what types of fraud is it the most effective? Do you think?
1: Uh, you know, just a, a, a little uh, clarification. AI is sort of a broad set of things uh, that are, 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 are you know anything in the space. Uh, we're using machine learning today, uh, which is a subset of AI. Uh, the basics of it are is, is that the old way of looking at fraud the cards were categorized or card prod, they, they were categorized into kind of three or four or five big groups. And those, those assumptions were made that those people who fit into those groups acted and felt very similarly. Um, and, and I think that if I, if I look at my own life, my wife and I carry effectively the same card, but we don't look or feel anything alike as how we shop. And, uh, machine learning, as a subset of AI, gives us the power to take that profiling down—not from a group of, you know, uh, six million cards, uh, you know, three or four groups of six million cards. We can take it down to the actual individual member, and um, liken it to what Amazon does with its preferences. If if uh, if if you shop on Amazon, which most people do in some form or fashion, and you shop there enough they'll develop a very, very unique profile of you. Do you have children under the age of two? Do you have kids between 10 and 2? Do you have teenagers? Do you have the pets? And what kind of pets do you have? And then their suggestions will be tailored to meet those needs until you introduce a new need to them. You know, one day you may decide to pick up a new cat uh, and you've traditionally had dogs, and now they're going to try and uh, give you suggestions that suit a cat and um, think of fraud mitigation the same way, you're not really looking for fraud. You're looking for anomalies. You're looking for things that stand out in that person's typical shopping pattern or profile. And if you think about how you would do that across our 60 million members that we represent across uh, all of our platforms, There's no way I could put 100 or 1,000 people looking at spreadsheets of transactions into a room and say, please find the anomalies on these individuals. And that's effectively the reason it's kind of been segmented into big card categories. So what we're doing now is we're trying to contextualize all of the data around every individual that we work with and put that into a, a, a mathematical formula that will allow us to find anomalies in their shopping behavior. And the only way to do that is with with high-powered computers uh, that, that operate at speed. And so, um, you know, you think about how many thousands of employees I'd have to have reviewing spreadsheets and, and transaction logs to go through 6 billion transactions a year and 60 million members. You can imagine that we couldn't be very effective at that. We could capture only the big buckets of fraud, Right. And so what we say about machine learning is, uh, this is to answer your second question, is machine learning goes after the long tail of fraud. And if you think about how fraud occurs on an X, Y axis, there will be big buckets right at the front that you can see that are pretty easy to see, right? Suddenly, this person who's never left the country is now shopping in Albania, and they do three $3,000 transactions. Well, nothing stands out like that. And you can write a rule that will solve that. But what if that same person is now just doing a three hundred and eighty dollar transaction at a Walmart that's a few hundred miles away from their from their home? Is that fraud or is that not fraud? You know that you know you probably need a little more information than that, and that's why we're profiling the entire member and looking at all of the things they do across all of our uh, ecosystem to make sure that uh, we understand what they're trying to do on a daily basis.
0: So, is it the more like transactions you analyze, the more? you can better target fraud and that's kind of what the learning part is.
1: Well, I actually, you know, I think transactions is a huge component of it, but there's also way there's, there's a, there's a large group of other things, right? You know, so when our members sign up for Apple pay and a variety of things like that, we know their mobile number, we know their device ID, we know where that thing goes. If we, if we want to understand what they're doing on a daily basis, Uh, if they download our app, we have access to some of those things. Uh, It's really more, uh, an amalgamation of all of the different components of data that we know about that individual member rather than just viewing the transactions. And that's why I think that co-op is going to have, uh, uh, have a meaningful tool as it comes to uh, analyzing fraud, not just against cards, but also against accounts as well in the future. This is not a simple thing that we're doing, though. This is a multi-year investment of millions and millions of dollars a year uh, to get us to the point where we can do this type of thing.
0: So is that the, the Cooper Fraud Analyzer then?
1: Yeah, Cooper is the, is the brand name. That, that's exactly right. And uh, and it will be used for a wide variety of things uh, across not only our account-based transaction platforms, but our, cars, our card-based transaction platforms, uh, as well as in our call center uh, to detect fraud entering through, uh, whether it be a phone call or chat or whatever the case may be.
0: So do credit unions purchase that through co-op or does co-op just offer that to all of its clients?
1: Well, there'll be a mixture of both uh so some some of these uh, will come with a fee, and some of these will uh will just be uh you know part of the overall ecosystem and the learning that occurs here
0: so what um how do you see um machine learning and and artificial intelligence evolving as a fraud prevention tool?
1: Well, I think it just continues to get better and better every year right the um The more volume of data you can process around an individual uh the more you can actually learn about them. I think the big gains over the next few years are going to be of the ability to handle more and more unstructured data, uh, and unstructured data is the data that comes as part of a transaction or or, or pieces and parts of information that you get through social media or a wide variety of things like that that you have to put some structure around and then and then think about it how how that might uh, help you understand what that member is doing. It's already made big gains, Bill, and and one of the big gains is is that. Traditional Falcon model, you can't get to the root cause of why they denied the transaction, right? It's it's sort of a, a black box approach, meaning that uh, you you know you get a score, you know the score is likely fraud, but they they don't really tell you why it's likely fraud. Machine learning actually allows you to see the the, the actual reasons why uh, the model believes it's fraud, and and in my view that's that's very member friendly. You know, if you get to tell the member why you decline their transaction or why you found their transaction suspicious that uh, that gives them insight into you know what they did that was different that caused you to, to have a reaction to it
0: probably takes away some of the heartburn from getting your your transaction declined uh,
1: agreed and it's a, it's you know I don't know that it, you're right there's heartburn nobody likes to have a transaction declined when it's really them but they also do want to have fraudulent transactions prevented and so it's a fine line that you walk and i think the more you can translate why you decline something or why you are investigating something to the member, the more comfortable they're going to feel. There's there's always that fine line of you get too close to big brother and you want to be really careful not to get overbearing in that regard. But, uh, but I think you want to use whatever data uh, the member wants you, especially what they want you to use and even the, the things you can find uh, outside of that.
0: How do you see fraud um, evolving in the future? Do you think, the fraudsters will find a way to counter this machine learning and, and artificial intelligence.
1: Well, uh, we're pretty aware that the fraudsters already use machine learning today to calculate new attack vectors on credit unions, banks every single day. Um, you know, this is a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's not like uh, two bad guys in their living room trying to concoct something. This is organized crime, uh, and some of it is state-sponsored. So the data centers that they attack out of are just as sophisticated and just as complex as ours are. So I don't see them giving up on it anytime soon. So I think our goal is to try and stay ahead of it. I used to tell the story about, you know, the bear in the woods. Uh, I don't have to outrun the bear bill. I just have to outrun you. And uh, and that's our goal here at co-op is to just be faster than the next guy so that the Rogers will go after them and not us.
0: How do you see fraud prevention evolving in the future, say, five or ten years down the road?
1: Well, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I think uh, obviously uh, it'll be smarter faster, but it'll it'll look at a lot more unstructured data. And if you think about how open banking has hit Europe and, and how uh, the financial institutions are being required to open up to certified and licensed third parties and each other, I think you'll be able to get a lot truer picture of what a member is doing on a daily basis and, uh, and tighten down, you know, the fraud tools. You know, the goal there is to only decline the bad stuff and let everything that's good go through. And uh, if we can capture the lion's share of the fraud with very limited false positives, then we're doing our job right.
0: Is there anything else on the, on the fraud front you'd like to discuss?
1: Well, I mean, I think that, um, uh, you know, obviously we're doing everything here at Co op with the member and the credit union in mind. We want to make our members' lives, uh, our, our credit union's members' lives, easy and simple and not have this be way out in front of everything they're doing. I don't want them to think about how secure we're making the transaction every day. I want them to think, wow, that transaction was easy, and we just made the security behind it as strong as we possibly could. That is, in my view, how we have to approach everything. And then if, uh, you know, if, if I'm thinking about how I live my life and uh, most of the people around me live theirs, in my view, time is the most important asset that all of us have. Uh, and as the world moves faster and faster and faster, we're going to have to be able to move faster and faster and faster to prevent fraud. And, uh, and so that is, uh, that's, that's where we're focusing all of our resources here at Co-op.
0: So switching gears a little bit, um, do you have a leadership philosophy, and, and if so, what what would that be?
1: Uh, I, I would say that uh, more than anything, I'm probably more of a servant leader. I like my uh, I like my teams making the lion's share of decisions. I don't sit on a throne and and, and throw down edicts. Uh, I rather gather the group of people together and uh, and we all decide on a path going forward. And and I guess the only time I really get involved is when I break ties. So I'd like to think uh, we lead through consensus, and uh, I'm here to knock down barriers and make sure that their, their jobs are things that they can accomplish. We set goals we can accomplish, and we, and we go after things we can do. Uh, consensus leadership is probably, in my mind, the, the best. I surround my pe- myself with people that I believe are smarter than me, and, uh, and then just uh, let them do their jobs.
0: And what's one thing that most people don't know about you?
1: Um, I probably should say that I have, uh, you know, a great wife and three beautiful kids and whatever (laughs) else. Uh, but, um, I'm a pretty serious guy, but what most people don't really realize is I'm actually a very happy guy. I spend most of my time, uh, being very happy. I just don't show it out really very much because I'm a pretty serious guy.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: I don't think so. Uh, you know, just, uh, here, at Co-op, we're huge supporters of CUNA and all the all the things that you guys do, and we really appreciate you guys supporting us. Uh, when when Jim stood on stage, uh, GAC last year and said that uh, the surcharge-free network and the shared branching network were two of the greatest assets of uh, of the of the industry, uh, I I couldn't have been happier to hear that. And and the fact that I didn't put him up to it or didn't pay him to say it even made me happy. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, because I agree, um, what we do for the industry is incredibly important, and uh, and my only hope is is that uh, me and my team get the opportunity to enhance that and, and make it even stronger in the future.
0: Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.